You're listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number uh, 32, I believe. And um, this week on the podcast, uh, fellow horseman of the podcast Apocalypse, um, Mike Scandato is uh, making his um, his uh, premiere appearance on the podcast. Um, uh, Mike Scandato is a co-host of the uh, great Necromaniacs Horror Podcast with Mike Hill and Jeff Kashid. And uh, Mike's also a uh, vocalist in the bands uh, The Last Stand and Inhuman. And um, also uh, back in the day was in a band called Confusion. And um, they're uh, con- releasing the discography of Confusion, which come out. I believe it was like the late 80s, early 90s. It's kind of like uh, death metal, hardcore in a way. Um, and that and we'll be playing a song from uh, that they released for that called Storm the Walls. And that'll be played before the interview. And uh, yeah, so keep your eye out for that coming out. You can check out the song on Bandcamp and uh, Spotify and everything as well. So yeah, uh, Mike has uh, been around in the... Uh, New York hardcore and uh, metal scenes since the you know the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, we talked a lot about um, a lot of that stuff, like uh, New York scene in that time, his kind of journey through you know uh, through music and through uh, horror and all those kinds of stuff. So great conversation, it was a lot of fun finally getting Mike on the show. Um, you know, hopefully I'll have him back on in the future. Would be awesome to talk to him some more. Uh, so yeah, and uh, had a good response to last week's episode of Dave. So you know, I'm happy that that went over okay. And um, next week's episode will be the um, premiere. We're kicking off. Me and Mike Hill are kicking off a uh, multi-podcast um, series that's called uh, Darkness Weaves. And um, essentially, um, we're uh, covering, we're starting off with Carl uh, uh, Edward Wagner's collection, In a Lonely Place. We're going to be covering all the stories in that, but we're going to be uh, kind of going back and forth. So uh, the week that this episode is going up, uh, Mike's releasing the pilot episode for that on Everything Went Black. Then next week... Um, We'll have the first episode, which is called a uh, story called In the Pines. That'll be on Soul Knox. And then we'll be doing the story after that, which is when the summer ends on um, on uh, Everything Went Black. And vice, you know, so you go. We'll be trading off. Uh, probably, I don't know. I'm not sure um, exactly how we're going. I think it'll probably be monthly. Each month will be on a different podcast, I'm guessing. So that, that that's probably how we'll roll it. Um, yeah, so we decided to do it that way. I'll probably also try to continue doing on the months that um, Darkness Weaves is on. Um, everything went black. I'm going to try to maybe uh, still have Mike on for Eldritch Tales to cover some other non-Wagner stories that we were talking about, like um, uh, the Wendigo and stuff like that. So... Yeah, uh, cool shit. And then um, closing out the month with uh, episode recorder of Ralph Schmidt. And um, 
yeah, we'll announce more about that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a, it's a great episode, and I think people are going to enjoy it. So yeah, I'm pretty much, um, we're all the way up through the month. Now I'm starting to get everything set for April. So I'm in a good, only in a good place with the podcast where we're, um, you know, a week out. So that's kind of nice. Um, or a month out, you know. Uh, gives me some breathing space, which I didn't have for the first, you know, six months of the podcast. We were, you know, just trying to get everything like up to the last second. So it's nice to not be in that situation anymore. Um, been on a uh, Lucille Fulci kick as well recently. I watched uh, The House by the Cemetery and uh, City of the Living Dead. I'm going to watch The Beyond as well. I'm a huge fan of Fulci, and I think The Beyond um, is in my top five horror movies of all time, which is something that I, I definitely want to to do at some point is do an episode of uh, top ten horror movies. Uh, I'm just not sure who I want who who to do that with exactly, you know. But um, yeah, I think that's in the cards in the, in the not too distant future. Uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, I was thinking about that. That I think the Beyond is definitely up there with uh, some of the other ones. The um, just think there's something great, so great and uh, quintessential about Fulci, where it feels like that classic creepy gothic horror. But then it's still got the, um, you know, uh, violence and stuff of modern horror. So it's kind of like uh, somewhere in between that classic gothic Roger Corman Poe movie type of vibe on one hand. And then, yeah, this kind of violence and uh, 80s-ness on the other. So it's a great like midway point between two types of horror that I love very much. Um. So yeah, this is what's going on. And I'm reading a uh, story collection um, uh, off and on with some other stuff, but it's by Matt Carden called Derouse Leviathan. And uh, that was recommended to me by Nas from um, Aklis. And um, uh, if you like very uh, dark, almost kind of black metal feeling uh, weird fiction, uh, I definitely recommend picking that up. It's a fucking amazing collection so far. Um, so yeah, I'm going to get into the episode of Mike. Before I do, I'm going to do the shout out to the other horsemen of the podcast, Apocalypse. On Mondays, we have uh, Horwolf666, Brandon Legion. Tuesdays, we have Jackie Smith with the Best Metal Podcast, Into the Necrosphere. On Wednesdays, we got Mike Hill with Everything Went Black. On uh, Thursdays, we got Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid with uh, Necromaniacs. And then a kind of unofficial uh, member um, that I always like to shout out is uh, Illus Manifestations with Cheyenne from Trivax. So, yeah. Uh, give everybody a follow and uh, check them out. And um, you can follow me on um, on Instagram and Facebook as well, uh, or primarily Instagram. Either uh, Carl Hikara, K-A-R-L-H-A-I-K-A-R-A, or uh, Denver Underground Radio. Speaking of Denver Underground Radio, you can check out our uh, our we do live shows three times, uh, four times a week. Uh, Tuesdays we have my Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. There's episode. There's shows that start at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 
And um, on Tuesday is my show, Darklands, which is primarily black metal, dark ambient, stuff like that. On Thursdays is the Upstairs Room, which is primarily dark wave, 80s, synth pop, synth wave, post-punk, all that kind of stuff. Fridays is Deviation, which is a mixture of stuff from the things we play on uh, the Upstairs Room. And uh, also sometimes some rap and hip-hop and different stuff like that. And then Sunday, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is Nutmeg Junction and... Um, a broken thread from Kurt in Connecticut. So, yeah, if you are interested, you can check all that out. You can go on EndeavorUndergroundRadio.com and uh, you see the stuff. And, uh, yeah, I use the uh, Instagram as the hub for everything. So you can get up on there and uh, see our uh, playlists and stuff that we're playing. Um, in our story archive, there's uh, links to Spotify playlists with all the shows. And then you can listen live when they're going as well, if you so desire. All right, so I'm going to, like I said before, uh, I'm going to play uh, Confusion with Storming the Walls. This uh, release is coming up pretty soon. Uh, check it out. And, um, yep, uh, now we're going to get into the interview with uh, Mike Scandato. So, hope you guys enjoy. Hail Satan.
Cool. Yeah, we're recording now. So, uh, thanks for coming on, Mike. I, I know we were talking about this, like, um, like I think it was before holidays, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, holiday was like my my job is like made holiday real hard for me to schedule with anybody. So I just did a bunch of solo episodes during the holidays. <laughs> Understood, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, great to to finally meet you, and you know. Uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. The um, you know, it's I think you and uh, Jeff are the only two of the horsemen that I haven't had on the on the show yet. So, uh-huh. okay, yeah. yeah, you'll get Jeff uh-huh. Jeff next. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny. I haven't I've never met Jeff um in person. I don't think. Well, I I feel like I might have because there was a time when he was living in New York actually, and uh, we have a mutual friend, uh, John Lamacchia um who was in candiria and i feel like i might have met him at at some point then but there's a chance i might never have met him in person i just can't remember right it's kind of one of those you you guys probably um interacted through through necromaniacs right like through yeah yeah yeah, Uh, he's friends he was friends with mike hill of course um yeah and um he had come on board i guess around the time when our, our episodes were just getting more and more infrequent due to our schedules. And then, uh, yeah, Mr. Hill came up with the idea that let's just get a third host and this way we could alternate. And, and it ended up being a really good idea because we were able to go weekly and we've pretty much not missed a week since that uh, idea. So <laughs> it worked out good for the uh, Necromaniacs podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, when I found Necromaniacs, it was probably, I think it was around that time when you guys switched to weekly, like when Jeff first joined. So, mm-hmm. so it would have been like, what, like two years ago or something? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely more than two years. This, this might, 2023 might be year three. I just don't really remember. Um, but what's wild is that this is, this February is, is nine years from the very first podcast. Podcast right. actually started in February of 2014. Oh, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is a long time ago for podcasts. Uh, you know, we weren't the first or anything, but we, we were very ahead of the ahead of the explosion. Uh, I'll say that. Um, yeah. And, you know, we kind of didn't really know what we were doing back then. And the episodes were very long, and <laughs> really long. And we yeah. picked like three movies to discuss sometimes instead yeah. of one and then <laughs> then we got it down to two movies and then down to you know the normal one movie discussion yeah but yeah like three movies was wild i mean there's some there's some early episodes out there um a bunch are on youtube but they're not they're not on uh, they're not all on uh apple or spotify um some no. of the early ones are on youtube actually you can look they're, them up they're also the on very uh, first one is on youtube oh really yeah they're also on podbean as well yeah yeah right so Podbean has everything yeah that's why i listened to 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 all the episodes because i um i discovered necromaniacs through um well it's partially through through enter the necrosphere i was listening to the episode he did with with mike mm-hmm and um and like i i knew tunes before i've listened i listened to his music i had watched i've seen him live even and stuff but i didn't know he had a podcast you know yeah and so then yeah. um i found out about everything went black and necromaniacs and um then i uh i checked out like the episodes that were on spotify and i was like okay there's 
obviously not all of them are on here. So I like download Podbean and got on there and like yeah, listened Podbean's to all the episodes. Cool. I mean, Podbean, um, I don't, I mean, I think more people use Apple obviously or Spotify, but Podbean, I, I like that it gives you all of that, like that information, you know, um, like uh, at least for me about, about the dates and, you know, the descriptions, mm. a little, maybe a little more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's just wild how, how kind of far things have, have come. And, you know, I mean, M- Mike and I met back in 2006. Um, y- you know, I had had a, a comic book store with my brother, John, that we owned for four years. And uh, Mike was uh, an early customer of the store and and, and thus began the friendship. Um, Tombs had kind of just started, like his other band had kind of just ended. And I, I think Tombs started either that year or the year after. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, back then I was doing Inhuman more heavily um, back then. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, we hit it off. We both, you know, we both liked comics and metal and hardcore and it was, horror it was movies pretty, and... <laughs> pretty easy. Yeah. And, and horror movies, obviously. And it just kind of <laughs> took off from there. Right. That's how it works. I mean, one of my best, my best friend, I, I met him um, around that same time. It was like 2006 and, you know, he's, like headed off of talking about music and stuff, you know, and we still, still good friends, you know, but <laughs> to this day, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It it's, you know, they say it's hard. It's hard for adult men to make friends the older they get, which I believe to be true. But back then I was still in my thirties. So it was a little easier to make friends. Now right. that, now that I'm knocking on, I'm knocking on the door of 50 this year, later this year. I mean, I, I would gather it's probably a little more difficult to make friends. <laughs> Possibly yet. I'm not, I think it depends on maybe the way that you um you go I think go through life or something you know like yeah yeah I mean uh, I, I I'm still you know playing music a lot and I, I go out a lot and it's you know I, I meet people all the time to a degree so I mean being social uh, you know in general makes it a little easier to make friends but things like music and and horror and you know shit like that i think uh i might even walk it back it might be a little easier even if you are into certain things like that to make friends because it, it is very community oriented no matter kind of what age you are right yeah. yeah i think i think that's the thing that's cool about like metal and horror and that kind of you know those kind of groups is you you have your kind of assholes and stuff in those as well but sure. overall like i feel like um this kind of a shared like kind of like language and and um passion you know what i mean that means that like if you meet somebody who else who's into horror or or metal like you can kind of like very easily get like start up a conversation and you know you know like yeah. get into that and and find out like what you have in common and that kind of stuff you know yeah i mean it's interesting like most of my my musical career so to speak has been in the hardcore world and i started going to those shows at a very very young age and a lot of my friendships were made there but um with metal it's like i I have a smaller group of of friends you know yeah (laughs) um but i feel like it's it's just it's just kind of interesting to exist in, in like different worlds and then i have friends that i know from horror conventions that are kind of outside of the music world and Right. It's just, you know, it's and then 
there's your work friends that have nothing to do with any of this stuff and <laughs> it it's you know it all it, it all it's all these little separate like facets of your life right yeah i mean particularly i'm sure for you like music because you you are so involved with like the hardcore scene and then you're also in the metal you know like mm -hmm. i'm sure there's those type those worlds collide sometimes but they're also probably two separate things in a lot of ways too i would imagine yeah what's what's funny is that through in the last 20 years in particular i'd always notice uh in the crowds at the metal the death metal the black metal shows a lot of the guys from the hardcore scene that would be there would be the musicians would be guys from certain bands right that that really liked that music but much less so like my fan friends you know of that mm -hmm. music are not really like into like extreme metal at all you know yeah but uh, with musicians i feel like th there's definitely more of that mix going on with where uh there'll be guys from hardcore bands like oh no i i, I love that metal i love black metal um yeah. but it's not always reciprocated i feel like at least um in my world um my my friends in death and black metal bands i kind of never with few exception i kind of never see them at the hardcore show right it is the other way around so it's kind of interesting that's interesting yeah so there's mm -hmm. like the hardcore musicians are into metal but the metal mm -hmm. musicians aren't really into hardcore <laughs> yes i uh at least in my experience i i think it's probably not true for maybe musicians maybe younger than me or mm. from a different you know part of the country uh but yeah like uh, for me i've definitely noticed that over the years That's and i'd always be like i'd make jokes to friends i'd be like man i wish i wish the reciprocation was there but it but it is not there yeah that's kind of interesting uh, i think um i wonder why wonder why i mean i mean i'm not a hugest like into hardcore but i definitely like some like some hardcore bands and stuff you know what i mean like um like i like both i mean i like a lot of stuff you know i have a pretty sure, wide range no, yeah that's the, best, <laughs> that's the best way to be i think i yeah i think growing up i i, I was like a sponge man i mean i just I just soaked up so much. I mean, look, I was a little spoiled. I grew up in, in New York City, Brooklyn, and going to Manhattan in the late 80s, and early 90s. And yeah, I just I'm... got to see so much. I, I saw a lot of bands' first shows and first times in New York and first U.S. tours. And, you know, I mean, I, I think I came up in a, in a, in a great time. Um, yeah, that's a really great time to, to be, particularly to be in New York. I mean, because any... Uh... Any band that's from Europe or something who's hitting the states is going to be hitting New York, no matter you know, or Brooklyn or that area. So it's sure. like, yeah, yeah, pretty much guaranteed. So I mean, I uh, particularly back then, I mean, all the like, uh, like I know if like extreme metal, all the extreme metal bands would that might that might be one of the only places they play in the states. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like there's this short Emperor run coming up, and they're doing like four or five cities, and of course, one of them is literally Brooklyn, and you know, I was I got right on that. You know, um, yeah. I only I only saw them one time, their first New York City appearance in '99 when they did this uh, summer tour with like Borknagar and Witchery, and that that was their first you know, their first time ever in the states. Yeah, and uh, they did come back in a early mid 2000s, but I missed that show. They okay, played, uh, a show 
with actually Starkweather, uh, Rennie, uh, 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 you know, our our friend, yeah. the, kind of the the, the quiet uh, fourth host of Necromaniacs, <laughs> his band opened that show, actually. I missed it. Oh, really? That's crazy. Yeah, they, they played with them at uh, this club, BB King's Emperor. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, it's funny with like the black metal thing. I mean, I, I caught it really early on because it was, you know, like the death metal thing had been kind of dying out a little bit in the early 90s in America. Yeah. And black metal had kind of come right at the right time in a way, you know. And by the time black metal bands were actually coming to New York, I mean, I was early 20s. So I just, I, I got to see everybody. It was great. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a great time. I mean, and uh, did you get in the, the hardcore scene like early on? Because you, you sent some some recordings you did like as in bass, playing bass like what, like 14, 15? Yeah, so? yeah. Um, no, I got into hardcore first. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I got into heavy metal first. It was kind of like, Heavy metal is a young kid, preteen, mm-hmm. and then like thrash metal at about 12, 13. Right. And then at 14, I found hardcore music. So, and and then like 16 or so, I hear obituary. 16 or 17, I hear obituary. Okay. While, so you... while an active part of the hardcore scene. And I was right. just like, this is fucking great. I love it. <laughs> you know um, was that was that the first death metal you heard was obituary yeah it was um I, honestly i it was definitely obituary because they um around i think like august of 90 they had played lamore on their first u.s tour with sacred reich mm-hmm. and i liked sacred reich um I, you know i i i liked thrash metal bands while listening to hardcore you know it was yeah not kinda... too many worlds apart there, but um, my my friend had been like, "There's this band that's playing with Sacred Reich called Obituary. You got to hear this band. They don't even have lyrics. <laughs> Singer sounds like he's dying. <laughs> there, it is. You know, because I was a horror movie fan, and he, you know, my friend John Zito was like, "You got to hear this. You got to hear this." And um, Saab, uh, the guitar player from Marauder, he he was a fan of theirs already, and he was a big horror guy. And like they were just kind of talked up by some some friends of mine, and sure enough, they kind of like blew Sacred Reich away at that show. <laughs> I was just like, "Holy shit!" That's a weird lineup to have a betrayal Sacred Sacred Yeah. Reich. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, though: like the the death metal thing had was really getting off the ground, and, and if you looked at the tours prior to that, death was out with Dark Angel, like. <laughs> The, right, yeah. The, the one oddball death metal band mixed with the two thrash metal bands was happening a lot because death metal, although it had been around for a few years, it wasn't a thing yet. And thrash metal was still kind of hanging on. Yeah. But after 90, it was like, forget it. Thrash metal was, you know, if you were yeah. an underground person, like death metal had taken over for thrash metal and all the thrash bands were kind of getting soft and weird and. Then by mid 91 or whatever, then you have Black Album, and it's like, forget it, it's over. It's like, it's, you know, the death metal package tours started probably in like 91 uh, yeah. in America. I forget what and, the uh, first yeah. one was. And I remember hearing something about like the first, like, all death metal package tour, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, the first one I saw was in March of 91, the uh, campaign for musical destruction 
Um, it was uh, Nocturnus, Godflesh, Napalm Death. I saw that. I was a senior in high school. That was that was that's awesome. a sick lineup, yeah. <laughs> and then a little later that year was, I believe, Morbid Angel, and Entombed, and I forget who else. Like there, there was a couple in like '91. Um, uh, I think Bothrower had did like a brief U.S. run in '91. Um, er everyone was kind of making their way, you know. And yeah. I think like it. it People say things like, you know, grunge killed thrash metal, but not, I mean, death metal really killed thrash metal for, <laughs> yeah. for metalheads. I mean, come on. It's, you know, yeah. Uh, on the bigger scale, sure, grunge killed a lot of things, but it was really death metal that put a, a whooping on it, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think like at that time, I mean, a lot of those bands, circa 1989, I mean, like Dark Angel, for example, like I like their first two albums, but the second two i don't like as much you know they just can't they're a good example of a band that kind of gets more and more technical right, like, and we and kind of a little bit weaker each album you know what i mean like yeah, after darkness descends thrash metal actually had a really good run if you, if you want to put some a time frame on it if you want to put like say 84 85 to almost like about 90 that's a good chunk of time you know yeah but I think after 90, everyone started to really suck, barring, in my opinion, Slayer, um, because uh, I love fucking Seasons in the Abyss. And Slayer, to me, held on to their roots the most, honestly, especially in that time frame. But then Slayer yeah. kind of didn't put a record out till 94. Like they they had the live record, but that's that's not a record. Like they the 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 four years that Slayer took between seasons. And divine intervention on yeah. the four years death and black metal explode, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, uh, in the underground. Yeah. Um and Slayer to me, I don't know. I'm like kind of a Slayer fanboy, like a apologist. So I I I I, I kind of def defend them even in some <laughs> of their, their weaker moments. But uh yeah, I mean I, I think it was a really interesting time. And and then like even by 90 in New York City, um, hardcore was kind of taking a hit. Um, a lot of the bands that I had grown up seeing for the two years prior, you know, going to matinees had, had broken up or had kind of changed their sound too or got a little weird with few exceptions, like, you know, like Sick of It All being the, the biggest exception who, you know, totally stayed true to what they were doing back then. And by 94, put out one of their their, their best records ever. Um but death metal, it came along at a great time for me because hardcore was, mm, things had changed. Thrash metal was over. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was just really fun and exciting. Plus he had a um, bunch of sick bands there, like Mortician and Incantation, oh, yeah. Immolation. You know what I mean? Like those are yeah, some of my New favorite York death metal bands. Very strong. New York was really strong. What's it's funny though. Um, I was like 17 in 1990 and I didn't embrace all of the New York shit right away. I didn't, because I didn't hear it first. I heard the bigger bands first. I heard obituary, deicide, morbid angel, napalm death, like uh, entombed first. And then right. I heard immolation, incantation, mortician. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, those bands, it's funny because my favorite death metal bands are actually um, uh, Incantation and Immolation. Like they're oh, them, wow. and, mm -hmm. them and Morbid Angel. That's like the, my three favorite death metal bands. So I have 
great story in, in 92 uh entombed is doing a, a u.s tour uh still supporting uh clandestine and um exhorter was supposed to be on that tour but they actually broke up before i, I don't i think they i can't remember if they they did a show or two or they broke up right before it and um immolation and incantation play the brooklyn date Oh, it was uh <laughs> and it was my first time seeing all three live yeah and it was fucking amazing it that's was that, so that's... great it was uh like april may of 92 it was awesome that's uh, sick. And this band dead horse opened dead horse was on the tour with entombed they were not even really a death metal band um but they were on the tour they were a metal band they were heavy but they were not death metal um and uh yeah that was that was fucking great man and the, the the funny thing i always remember about that show is that you know um craig pillard you know was singing back then yeah and he he never broke face like between every song like he he kind of you know how like when ross memulation in between songs he talks like a, a normal human being you know yeah yeah <laughs> uh, craig did not do that in 1992 <laughs> he talked with the extremity of the death metal in between songs and i had never heard anyone do that before in my life at that until that point right and i was just like oh wow like you know i was i was about <laughs> like eight, 19, 18 or 19 and i was just like holy shit that's interesting yeah you know and like it's like i'm not even gonna pretend to uh imitate his voice. <laughs> i cannot imitate his voice but he did death metal voice in between the songs and i just never forgot it it was just something that stayed in my head like you know yeah, is he like, just like stayed hundred percent intensity the whole yes, time? Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And dude, he has one of the, the sickest voices ever. So yeah, and um, yeah, like you know, it was it was cool, man. Very memorable, memorable time. That's sick. Like I always um, I keep wishing for like uh, incantation emulation, like U.S. tour where they just tour together yeah, again. Yeah. Right? yeah, like it's always like. That would be like a perfect tour to me, like to be able to see them both at the same time. I think it would do very well. I mean, Immolation in particular, I mean, they're both in a way the biggest they've ever been. Yeah. Uh, honestly, as someone who's been a three decade fan. Yeah. I mean, I remember their shows with no one at them. I remember when Death Metal was in a very bad place, even in New York City. Right. Uh, 50 people at a show, uh, you know, 100 people maybe at a show. Right, like in and, the late nineties or early two thousands. Uh, um, dude, into the early O's, actually, early mid O's. It was not that great either. Right, things turned a corner a after the mid O's for I think for both bands, in my opinion. Yeah, like something just happened. Um, with with death metal in particular, I almost feel like has been on this really great high, you know, for a while, yeah. and it almost hasn't even waned, you know yeah i agree um, but yeah they both do really well like i i mean I, I i saw incantation headline manhattan over the summer and it was it was packed i was like oh shit um you know i'm like so happy th that these bands are doing so well because yeah. it's like two three generations of seeing them now you know yeah i've i've heard uh interviews of john both john and ross like in different ways where they're talking about how like john has talked about how they're like incantation is the biggest they've ever been they're selling yes. the most albums they've ever sold yes. so which is great i mean and it's their new albums too like their last album was their highest selling album wow which is pretty That's cool unbelievable and and 
the thing is this i much like you know in a way every day there's a young kid finding the chromags there's a young kid finding i don't know minor threat there's a young kid finding slayer there's kind of a young kid finding immolation and incantation almost all the time too right yeah exactly um and things like modern technology like youtube and and everything is kind of at your fingertips now you know yeah and if you see something that has a shit ton of hits on it or likes on it and five of your friends said no you have to hear this band i mean it it just kind of like that's how it happens you know and it could be an old band you know um and death metal is really good for that death and black metal um for revering certain older artists um that hardcore doesn't get that much i don't think not really um they you know it's there's not a, a shit ton like of bands that are three decades old that are doing like phenomenal you know right uh, <laughs> or or three decade plus bands that say no we're bigger than we're ever right now like yeah. not a lot of bands can say that you know a lot of bands those be- their best years are behind you know and these bands yeah. are kind of living their best years now which is yeah. which is wild it's pretty crazy like i would say that acts of god like the assimilation album is probably it's quite 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 possibly when their best if not their best album might oh yeah i mean that was my that was my favorite metal record of, of last year um and and i thought the autopsy record was fucking great like they that's another band like i mean yeah they, they get forgotten a lot you know uh and i wish they wouldn't be so forgotten because they're really important yeah they um are. they're a band's band uh autopsy i think they're like they're they're like a band's death metal band where every death metal band loves them yeah <laughs> maybe not every death metal fan loves them i think it's a certain type of fan yeah uh, and you know it's and it, if they either strike a chord with you or they don't and they just really they struck a chord with me <laughs> i always feel like they're i always feel like they're like the um, black sabbath of death metal in the sense that they have that kind of black sabbath doom yeah. element to their sound and they're and... they're right there with death like you know chris reifert was in death like you yeah. know in the, in the very beginning and like he's right there at, at the beginning of the movement and that's why i think autopsy is super important because they're right there they're first they're a first wave death metal band you know what i'm saying yeah. they're definitely um, one of the most like really important bands that a lot of people forget how important their first couple albums are you know and they were extreme and they were filthy and dirty and like you know creepy and i don't know i think two two things number one drummer who sings which yeah. <laughs> i think some people are just not into it and they they don't they they need that visual they need a front man okay yeah autopsy doesn't have that and the other thing is that they spent their career on a british label at a time when that label didn't have like peaceville had some heat back then but they didn't have earache heat or roadrunner heat or century media heat or you know what i'm saying like it wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't the same peaceville was not those labels at least in america right uh, in europe i think it was definitely a bigger deal yeah I and think so. they had a, one or two really botched tours back in the early 90s that didn't go that great and 
that that put a hurting on them, I think. You know, like they didn't get the shine that your your morbid angels and your deicides got and your entombed got, obituary got, you know. Yeah. But they're they're a band's band. Every every band of that day pretty much likes autopsy and respects autopsy. And one of my favorite death metal bands of all time, Dismember, worships autopsy. So yeah. like yeah. You know, yeah. if that means anything to anybody listening. Yeah, and I, I, I know Dismember's always talking about how autop- how huge influence autopsy is on them. Because they're like, yeah. I've seen, um, uh, wasn't there like a, it was a documentary Dismember did that I watched? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, um, I know they were talking about that on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, that that's kind of like the, the beauty of, of like death and black metal is, there's the different eras and, and the different, you know, cities and parts of the world and everything kind of has its own personality and, and, and like flavor. And I don't know, I just feel like the fans of of death metal and black metal, but maybe even more so death metal, are just very passionate. Um, and they're like lifer kind of fans, you know? Yeah. I mean, I kind of see it at the shows. Like I see, you know, these interesting age ranges and people that I remember from the 90s that are still going to death metal shows, you know? Right. And some of them uh, might be bringing their kids with them and stuff, you know? Exactly. I mean? <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's great. I mean, look, I do see that in hardcore. I do. Uh, but I don't know. I think there's just something about it with death metal where it's, I don't know. I don't think it loses many fans. You know, the turnover rate isn't that high. <laughs> I think that's the thing with death metal and black metal is that um, I think people who like um, the genres where it speaks to them, it's kind of like a soul music in a way. That's how I feel mm. about this, those kinds of music where it's like, I'll never stop listening to death or black metal because that's like, I don't know, that's like, that's what, and the, the key things that like, kind of resonates with me. I mean, I have other things that I resonate with me as well. Sure. On it, but but I think um, my primary thing is is those genres, and you know, like I think I think most people who listen to them are really into them, feel the same way. You know, I don't yeah, think- yeah. I mean, look, it's I like a lot of stuff. You know, like one of my favorite bands of all time is Dead Can Dance. One of my favorite artists of all time is Elvis Presley. So neither of that is that for black metal. <laughs> or hardcore, you know, yeah. so. Um, it's it's just music it, itself is just it's just in, ingrained in 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 you or it isn't you know uh, for some people it's sports you know for some people it's uh, uh, you know reality TV shows you know <laughs> but for yeah. I guess people like you and I it's, it's it's music you know yeah and it's like when I feel like uh, music and horror and that kind of stuff like even mm-hmm. like some fantasy stuff or whatever like that's like the things that uh you know engage with and you know it's like things that get passionate about i guess you know it's like yeah um and the horror thing like it, it came from childhood and and early, early teen years but as a, as a very young lad as, as you may know i've talked about it on necromaniacs i was absolutely horrified of horror movies like i was <laughs> i was yeah, I was just, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was just very not into it. Um, and then I turned a corner one day. And, 
And uh, yeah, it, I became quite a fan of it. And, you know, um, and it was like Friday the 13th part one on television. That's what kind of did it. Uh, I, I, I didn't think I would be able to sit through it. And I sat through it and I enjoyed it. And But I will say even even after that, in those early days of, of turning that corner, that that chill was there, you know, and that that undescribable feeling of being a little afraid and, um, you know, the excitement kind of mixed together yeah. was there. And that's like, that's something that I think horror fans always have, you know, like, dude, I gotta be honest, man. Like even watching Skidamaric, like, yeah, watching it alone in my, my apartment, like I, yeah, it's, it's like, it kind of fucked me up a little bit. You know? Yeah, me too, and, dude. <laughs> grown ass man, you know, it's like, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's what horror can do. And, and man, a lot of people shat on that movie. And you know? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I love I, the movie. Like I, I, I did too. And I just, I, I really thought it was going to get a bit more love than hate. Uh, but you know, a lot of people's opinions I respect very much just didn't like it. Um, yeah. Then there are people that I knew would like it, liked it. Yeah. So yeah, it, that's, I, I thought the it was great. Of horror. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, skin and Rink, I thought like I was watching it, and I had I was I had um, my headphones on when I was watching it, and um, just kind of like engrossed in it. And I was like, um, uh, I think by the time where you get to that point where there's like um, look under the bed scene, oh, I was just like, I was just like, don't look under. Like I was just like, literally, like it got me so much. I was like squirming. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, um, like how? <laughs> That's the thing. I think that because it took so long to kind of get going. Mm -hmm. that it lost a lot of like people who, who love horror, but their attention span might not be that great. Like, yeah. It, it did take a little while to get going. But as we said on our, you know, round table discussion is that you needed to be vested in the movie and you really, really needed to focus and really need to pay attention and get engrossed in it. And I don't know. I just don't think everyone can do that anymore yeah um, uh and that is what it is but you know but obviously a lot of people were able to do it because some people liked it a lot uh but it's almost like i got initially i thought it was like a 50 50 and now it's almost i almost feel like it's like a 60 40 against it like which is well, well. it's it's crazy to me because i mean i thought i, I think it's amazing and i definitely want to see this guy do more stuff and i'm like um i felt like it kind of reminded me of um like uh remember when the void came out like i was a yes. huge fan of that movie and yes. still am and it had like a big backlash for people just talking shit about it and i just thought it was kind of annoying i was like particularly coming for that movie i would see people who like position themselves as being big like 80s horror fans and stuff mm -hmm. i was like then why are you shitting on the void because it's literally like a modern 80s horror movie you know what i mean like yeah, it just yeah didn't make uh, any sense to me no i mean I don't know. I, I just think that people just can't focus some people to a degree like you want them to. And and maybe things that are scary to, to, to me or you are just not scary to other people. I think people need to see like excitement, like blood, like, you know, like right away maybe or, you know, I, I, I kind of don't. Like, I like slow things. Uh, I like things that build. 
Um, and yeah, you know, I, I do think, and I'm going to mark my words, I think years from now, this movie will be looked on more fondly. I think yeah. this movie will be a grower, much like I kind of think the third Halloween will also, uh, Halloween ends might might have a little more love. Although, you know, that wasn't perfect, far from perfect. Um, I, I think like the hate of it will lessen uh, over yeah. the years, but we'll see. I think the, the thing that's uh, a little bit annoying today is just like the kind of weird extreme responses people are it's like mm -hmm. it's like if they don't like something then they hate it and they gotta talk shit about it and like just like run it down and stuff and um and sometimes it's just like i could see that with skinner rink where people are just like oh i only watched 10 minutes it's boring you know it's like well you didn't you only watched your 10 minutes you already 10 like minutes. it's like come on you already you like the in first 10 minutes of the godfather on nothing it's like like, yeah. come on like you know there's nothing happens at all in the first 10 minutes of godfather it's to me one of the greatest movies ever made it's like come on yeah um yeah i i, I think we're I getting dumber i think people are getting dumber <laughs> that's it i'll say it people Probably. are getting dumber by the year i um, <laughs> i just think that if you say that like then your opinion is not is not valid like you don't you don't really have a in that that case it's like you don't have a right to be bitching because you didn't actually watch the movie. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. just sit there and say, "I only watched twenty minutes and it was boring." It's like, well, you didn't give the movie a chance then, you know. And like, particularly mm. Skinner Rink, you have to get into it. I mean, um, and uh, and it builds, and it's like about forty minutes in, you're like realizing, like you're like scared. You know what I mean? Like, oh and, yeah, yeah. It's like this is a nightmare. This is fucking horrible. And that's what horror movies are supposed to do. They're supposed to scare you. They're supposed to be nightmarish. And like the amount of okay, I, I saw I watched Megan the other night, and it was okay, decent, enjoyable mainstream fare. Okay. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun, really. I the ending I thought was odd. Like kind of they didn't know how to end it, and it was a little like, okay, here's the ending. Um Yet I saw more positive reviews for Megan than I did for Skinnerick, which is to me makes no sense at all. No. You know, like it was such like pe some people just like basic, mundane shit, like basic bitch horror. That's kind yeah. of what look again, Megan, it wasn't a terrible movie. I actually didn't think it was a terrible movie, you know, right? But it was it was okay. It was okay, you know, and just like I've seen a lot worse. I've seen a lot worse, seen a lot better. Right, it was in the but middle. Skin America was was a work of art. Megan yeah, is not exactly. a work of art. I don't think it's a work of art. You know. Well, you think think about it like um, pe people hated the thing when it came out. You know, yeah. and it was like it was like just a small group of people who could see the genius of it, and then mm. you know, you know yeah, what it was it, a oh. bomb, and people hated it. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, okay, I was eighty two. I was nine. I wasn't going to see that when I was nine. Um, right. <laughs> I was one of those. I bet you I was afraid of the newspaper ad when I was nine. Um, and, you know, Halloween three was 83 or 82. And that was also a big bomb. And nobody liked that. And now everyone I know likes those two movies. Like yeah. everybody likes those movies. The thing know? is like held up as like such a important movie. And I do think Skinner Rink will be that. I think the part of the reason it gets extreme reaction is because it's pushing boundaries in a way and it is a work of art and it's like doing it's doing things in such a unique way 
and I think that it's probably kind of that similar idea you're talking about with autopsy with bands liking autopsy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Or I think it's kind of like that with Skinner Rink. It's like the certain people who, and I think a lot of filmmakers will, I think what you're going to see, I predict in the next few years is more mainstream filmmakers bringing in elements of Skinner Rink into their movies. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Yes. I, I think, uh, you know, I touched on this on, on, on Necromaniacs. Um, I think the effects of Terrifier 2 and the effects of Skinamarink will sink their claws into mainstream horror. Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, because those were like phenomenons, you know, yeah. uh, and, and the big studios like phenomenons. They like they like press. They like money. Money, number one. But yeah. <laughs> they like the buzz. Number two, they like the buzz and the press. That's super duper important. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, a fifteen grand movie hitting almost three million dollars. Yeah. Every, every believe me, that that director is taking meetings, as they say. Um, yeah. All all the green lights went on over all these studio people. Like, mm-hmm. we can do that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, while look, will every movie be as over the top um, as Terrifier Two or as oddball as Skinnerink? No, but again, I think we may see some more chances being taken, and and some more interesting shit that like, what the fuck is this? You know, it's mm-hmm. funny. I, I saw Terrified Two, you know, solo. My girlfriend was having no part of it. Um, <laughs> And I, it remind it, like there are scenes in it that reminded me of Maniac. You know, you know, Man- uh, what do you call it? The, the, the early '80s New York uh, uh, horror movie Maniac. That, yeah, with, jo- with Joe Spinell. Yeah, Abel Ferrara movie. Yeah, uh, no, not Abel Ferrara. This is um. Oh, that's right. It's uh, Joe Joe Spinell is in. Yeah. Yes, Joe Spinell. Yeah, the name, the director's name is. is I f- um, I forget this name. Yeah, it's not uh. I've met him actually several times. Oh, <laughs> my God, hold on. I, I'm going to look it up because I refuse to, to just let this one slide. I'm blanking his name because he's like a big New York director and I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, hold on. He's the man who who's, who started Blue Underground. Yeah. And it is directed by <laughs> uh, what's William Char- Lustig. William yeah. Lustig. Charles, okay. Band- Charles Band did a great episode with. Yeah, with Will Lustig. Yeah. yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun. But anyway. Horror fans, don't kill me because I couldn't remember the name with Lustig. <laughs> um, it re- there are moments in that that reminded me of that uh, that level of uncomfortableness because Maniac is a very uncomfortable movie. Yeah, <laughs> and um, the scene in Terrifier Two where where the mother just gets killed with the the, the gun and in the car, like they he, he even said that he, he had like you know got Maniac vibes uh, from that. And then there's that that scene of like the scalping of the girl in the bedroom where it's just it's just really like in front of you, you know. There's <laughs> a similar scene in, in Maniac to that. But uh, you know, seeing that in a in a theater of mostly younger people, which it was yeah. on a Friday night in Brooklyn, was wild. Uh because yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of laughter, a lot of laughter. Yeah, and you know it's not <laughs> funny. It's not funny. Like I don't know. Like I, that's a, it's a disturbing movie, and sure, some of it is funny, but you know, 
I, and, audiences have changed over the years and young people with violence, I think has really changed. Yeah. I, I mean, when I would say if, you know, a freshman say, if I saw that like freshman year in 87 in a theater, I might've gone into therapy a week later. Like I, I, like I, <laughs> I probably would have been like, fuck the fuck up. But these people, these kids were laughing their, their asses off, you know? Well, they, they probably all have already seen, like, you know, Human Centipede 2 and, like, fucking... Right. You right. know, like, whatever, you know, like, you know, probably already saw, like, August Underground or something, you know, like... And, <laughs> uh, no, and, and we're forgetting something, Carl. You know what they've seen? Murder mm -hmm. online. They've seen, yeah. like, m people murdered online. Yeah. Which is, we did not see that growing up. We just yeah. didn't see it. No, you know, it's, yeah. that's a difference, you know, like they have access to all the kind of stuff and it's just a different, different vibe, I guess, you know, like. Mm -hmm. So yeah. maybe I answered my own question as to why some, a lot of younger people might not have liked Skin America. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a dark room with some, with some creepy, you know, atmosphere is probably not enough for certain people, right? Yeah, I mean, anybody who's um, like, they need to get their rocks off watching like ultra violence or something, you know, or oh, the ultra violence, you know, like they're not going to be in the skin and brink. I mean, I personally like, it's kind of funny because, you know, mid 2000s, like 2010s, like I got in a mode where I was watching a lot of extreme cinema stuff. I mean, because that's kind of what was around and there's a lot of it. And I, you know, explored that. But as I gotten older, I actually kind of gone the opposite way, where I've kind of gone back more to atmospheric, gothic, mm -hmm. horror, ghost, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm not really as interested in seeing extreme violence. Any, you know, like I, I'd rather watch a movie like Skin and Rink that's like a bit more thoughtful and dread-inducing and and based high concept, you know. Me too, and it's funny you say that because I I, I almost turned I kind of turned that corner not long ago. A while, maybe even a while ago, honestly, uh, where I was like, you know what? I think I'm more interested in watching like uh, Hammer films than yeah. <laughs> Saw 48. Like, you know, like I just like I don't care. Like, you know, um, or, you know, uh, like some things just have like no interest, you know, to me. Um, and w there have been there have been movies we've covered, uh, Mike and I, that have been maybe the more kind of over the top violent ones. Where I've just been like, you know what? I I don't really care about this. Uh, like I don't like it. What's that big a big uh, Asian movie, The Sadness? Yeah, that everybody was really into. And I was just like, you know what? I, this I don't. I'm, I'm not over the moon for this anymore. Like I don't know. Like I've seen this before. Like yeah, it was cool. It was good. It was cool. But it it was nothing new under the sun for me at all. That movie. Right. I think I think the. There's only so far you can push this kind of that kind of extremity where it just becomes kind of like redundant and mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess like to a certain extent, it's like, do I really want to put myself through more of those kinds of movies? No, not really. Like I'd rather watch, you know, Black Sunday or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and look, man, there's so much. I mean, look, I've seen a lot, but there's so much I haven't seen. Uh, there's like some key '70s movies that I I still. I haven't gotten around to, and 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 I will hopefully knock on wood. Uh, maybe some stuff from the earlier '80s that I I might not have gotten around to. Um, and the you know, 
there's great new shit out now. Don't get me wrong. As we, we've talked about many times on the podcast, we yeah. spent nearly all of 2022 covering 2022 movies. And that was the first year in the history of the podcast that we even had to do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see this this year. I mean, to me, Skinnamarink sets a very nice, you know, bar, uh, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, you might not hear a lot of podcasts say that about the movie, but for, for the three of us uh, on Necromaniacs, we were like, yeah, this, this is this is going to go down as a good one for the year. Yeah. Um, there is some some cool stuff, you know, uh, coming this year. But uh, I don't know. I mean, last year in particular was just like this wild, like chock full of good stuff year. Um, and who knows? Maybe every year will be like that because uh, horror to me now is is uh, amidst this renaissance period. And look, everything everything has its peaks and valleys, you know, uh, even with death metal and black metal too. Um, yeah. But horror, I don't know. I, I think because of the success of the movies that, you know, I talked about a while ago and uh, the fact that they just keep turning a profit, these horror movies. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that came out last year that made a lot of money. I mean, you think about Barbarian and yep. mm-hmm. X and Pearl and... yeah. Like just a ton of even like a kind of, even like you know like uh, was that Smile and like mm-hmm. all these movies were hugely successful like way more successful than any of the big budget like yeah no, I liked Smile a lot I actually liked it a lot Mike and Jeff covered that one and they weren't really all that into it I loved it it made my top of the year I actually liked it um, yeah I remember you didn't yeah I I something about it man I don't know disturbed me and I thought it was well acted and I. I the ending was fucked up. I didn't think that was going to end that way. I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> this is a fucking horror movie, you know? Um, and that was something that that apparently the people behind that, they weren't even that sure what the hell to even do with that movie from what I read. Yeah. And it was like this huge success, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that last year really was like, as far as box office was the year of horror, it means that people are willing to go and see movie horror movies in the theater, you know, and um, that's only, that's only good things for horror. I mean, because, uh, you know, like you were saying earlier, Hollywood goes where the money is. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I would say the next year or two, we're going to see even more horror movies coming out in the theaters and, and everything. I saw, uh, I saw the Northman a bit late in the game. Um, I know it had come out, I think in the spring of last year and, I don't think I saw it till like Christmas time or January. And yeah, I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. And I think that didn't do exactly what they wanted it to do financially. Like I think it just did okay. I, I kind of wish we could have a return to those movies again. Those those like, you know, cool ass fantasy films or like Conan or, or, or I mean, I don't know. There's not a not a lot of those being made right now. Would you agree? No. Yeah, I would agree. I'd lo- I'd love that to see more of those kind of movies like Hmm. fantasy conan type brutal like yeah, barbarian yeah, action viking variant <laughs> like that that shit is cool i mean i think maybe that's like a niche within a niche though you know i mean maybe that's why like i i don't think i think a regular horror movie is 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 more of like a, a profitable maybe for a studio but yeah, probably. to me as someone maybe it's my age or whatever um I like that kind of shit, and especially if it's well done. And hell, I've even liked ones that are not well done, just 
just because I find them, you know, entertaining. There was a lot of really, really bad ones uh, that came out <laughs> in the wake of Conan. Yeah, I'm um, after me on invite. I had a, I'm in this group on uh, Facebook called like Sword and Sorcery Movies in the Eighties, <laughs> and uh, they're just that's all people p- posting, you know, like stuff about all those movies from the eighties. That's all like Tor, Tor, and uh, yeah, you know, Beastmaster, and yeah, Beastmaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember some of the others. Um, Kroll is kind of that's kind of uh-huh. yeah, and um, yeah, those movies are fun. I mean, I I think. I don't know. I, again, it's very niche, as, the, as they say. Um, but again, it, I, I got a big kick out of the Northman. I mean, I thought it looked great. I, I thought it was well acted. Um, I'm interested in anything kind of Viking. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was cool. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see more of that, but who knows if there will be more of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like that too. I mean, I'm like, I'm a huge fan of Conan the Barbarian in particular, like the Arnold movie. Like, I love that movie. I'm a huge Conan fan, period. But, um, I really love that movie. Mm. The uh, like, and of course that's John Millis, you know, who drew the screenplay for Apocalypse Now, and yeah, yeah, and um, it's just got it's a great movie. Um, it's of that era, but it's it's not really barbarian, but it uh, Excalibur. Yeah, Excalibur is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, like, yeah, I dude. love that movie. <laughs> it's so sick. Like <laughs> it's just like a vibe and a mood. Like this is something about that movie. Like it's. I feel like they should have done. I don't know. Maybe they ran out of money, or like it. Like there should have been so much more to it. But I love it though. Like I still love it for its. It has some faults. Um. Like, but. There are just some sequences and some imagery in that movie that are just the coolest fucking shit ever with that yeah. great score, like the great music, you know? Yeah, that that was one of my favorite movies. The um um like I love how violent it is and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean I've watched it countless times, particularly like when I was a kid, that one and um um Conan or some of the ones I like rented like sometimes like every week something you know what I mean like until finally my 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 parents bought them for me but it's like uh, I fucking love those movies and Excalibur has a great soundtrack and um it's is there like a, a nice Blu-ray of Excalibur I'm not uh, I, I need to own that movie yeah there's a Blu-ray of it I have the mm. I have the DVD but I've been thinking about getting the Blu-ray as well and the thing I would like to get is a uh, the soundtrack but um mm. it's, it's not really hard to find oh, i'm surprised it hasn't been bootlegged um i i love the uh the shining score and it recently has been bootlegged on uh orange vinyl uh i got a copy and it's beautiful like yeah. <laughs> someone finally bootlegged the shining thank god yeah because uh, no one's gonna release it otherwise <laughs> no no it's it's never happening um but yeah it, it's it's you know do your digging it's out there uh it's on our it's well no it's like a yellow one i'm sorry it kind of matches the uh the the color of the the poster you know not orange yellow yeah the yellow Um, yeah but uh yeah that that i was like holy shit i saw the record store and i was like (laughs) that soundtrack is great too like uh, i love the uh the main title like it's like i think one of the best like pieces of, of music and that whole whole score is great, like just very yeah. menacing and sinister feeling throughout. No, totally, totally. Yeah, The Shining is like my it's kind of like my number one, like you know, horror movie ever. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, no, that's like 
hasn't changed. Like that's just my immediate, like immediate answer. The Shining. That's my favorite horror movie. Shining, because main reason is like from the moment, the moment it starts, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Like the moment the movie starts, the music, the, the 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 visual, like the driving car, it's like dread, you know, and like yeah. fear, and what is this? I'm creeped out. And I was creeped out as a kid, but the moment I first saw it, still creeped out as an adult. And it just, I don't know, I think it de- it delivers on its its promise of, of, of being a great horror movie. I would agree. I, I think uh, it's one of those movies that every time I watch it, um, right from the beginning, you get sucked into it. And you just get, like, it's kind of like hypnotic, like kind of trance. Like, uh, and I feel like the way about The Exorcist as well. Like they're movies that you just like have this vibe and you just get like swallowed into it and yeah i mean each new watch of the exorcist and and the shining those two in particular they're probably like my one and two yeah they're my Um, one and two you you find a new shit like you know um especially if you pay a lot of attention to like the early kind of home scenes in the exorcist where it's just kind of reagan and her mom and oh i did yeah. The other day I watched it and I noticed for the first time like ever that there's um a part where it's like the shows showing the back of Reagan's room in the dark and Chris opens the door, but as she's opening the door they flash the fucking Pazuzu face on the back of the oh door. Oh my god. <laughs> I never That's noticed sick, it before. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, it's like wow, man. And like just like even like the novel, like the whole the whole thing behind that movie is just so great, and the book is great, and it's just like perfect, man. I mean, geez, it's just I don't know. I mean, if if someone has either one of those two movies as their number one, there's no, there's really no denying them. Either one of those movies to me, I mean, you know, they're my number one and two. Like, I I can't say which one. They're kind of hard for me to decide between the them like which one i put one maybe the exorcist but but exorcist and shining i think are the two greatest like horror movies you know i just so i saw a 25th anniversary screening of the exorcist when it was the 25th anniversary okay yeah in 99 i think and a lot of young people were there and uh, again they were laughing at a lot of it and i'm just like this is so annoying. <laughs> like, I'm just like, <laughs> why? There's nothing to laugh at. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, there's maybe some scenes to laugh at, maybe, but barely. I mean, I don't know. I, to me, the movie is played dead serious because it's yeah. a dead serious movie with serious subject matter. And it, 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 to me, it's actually one of the most pro- catholic pro christian movies ever made yeah i would agree (laughs) if you really think about it yeah it 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 kind of convinces you of if you're if you believe the devil isn't real in 1973 and you saw that movie oh no you you walked out of that movie knowing the devil was real like you know what i'm saying yeah and that you know good triumphed over evil you know But it makes you like a believer, like or a, at least a believer in everything you just saw. Like you know, yeah. And not a lot of movies can do that. Like movies are movies, like they're they're supposed to be fiction. Yeah. But there's something about that movie 
where it's like you feel like you're almost watching a documentary, much like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, yeah, it's not really a movie. It's like real, like you know. It has that feeling, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's like insane. It's a little bit different. Like, The Shining is a little bit more artifice in it, but uh, but it's another one where you feel the reality of the situation and yeah. Like, a thing I love about The Shining is the way that um. The, a lot of the static shots and then the it's either like static shots or it's um you just kind of like gliding like shots with the camera where it feels like mm-hmm. it's like a voyeur or something like like you feel like i feel like when i'm watching the shining i'm watching the movie through through the the gaze of like some benevolent spirit that's just like roaming the hallways and watching them and stuff yeah, you know no, I mean? it's more it's more dreamy it's maybe it's a little more artsy maybe it's a little but it has it's to me it has it's very real realistic moments yeah um, definitely but uh like like texas chance mask another one of the, the all-time greats like a lot of people have said you, you feel like you're watching a documentary you feel like you're, you're you're watching a snuff film like it's not it's not like hey movie time you know it's it's very real Movie, yeah you know? I, remember, I remember the first time i watched texas chainsaw massacre I, I was probably i don't know like i can't remember the exact time it was a period where, like when i was probably i don't know 12 or 13 or something where i was like renting all the classic movies so, you know like i'd already seen night of the living dead and a bunch of others and all the universal movies and my dad showed me like alien and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff um but i was kind of going through the checklist of all the classic ones i hadn't seen yet so i was like you know renting like um dawn of the dead and stuff from and um i rented texas chainsaw and i remember the first time watching that the first time that leatherface kills that first guy and so sudden and i just remember just like jumping and be like what the fuck like just like it just like made this like impact in my mind where you're like that was so brutal and you know and it didn't show anything but it's so kind of disturbing because he hits him in the head his legs like shaking and he just drags him in and just slams it shut. And it's like, you know, it's, wow. it's funny. <laughs> the, it's funny how you, as a kid, how like the jump back then in say the late seventies, early eighties for a kid, a Gen X kid were like the first things you probably watched were universal movies, right? Yeah. That is your introduction to horror. Yeah. And, that was and, mine. And, and for a lot of kids, of a certain age, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein was on TV all the time and it had all the monsters in it. Yeah. Um, I was that one. Or a, a TV horror movie. But the next thing that you saw, if for a lot of kids, might have been something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it just like you're thrown the fuck away from <laughs> a fucking Bella Lugosi and there's somebody twitching and dying on a floor and someone with a chainsaw. It was like, it was wild like it was a wild (laughs) you know trial by fire for me as a young kid right because that was what exactly it was like for me it was like one minute i'm watching that like comedy horror or like you know tv horror right and the next minute it's like boom you know like like, you don't forget that right it's shocking you know it was shocking i remember a lot of my friends who were like your age uh, told me like um some of the other ones that really got them was like Salem's Lot, and then also seeing um, Night of the Living Dead used to be on TV a lot. I think back, yeah, back yeah, from what yeah. I heard, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was that's a pretty brutal movie in a lot of ways, you know. <laughs> like, 
you got them like eating like the bodies and stuff, but it's not as like shocking in a way as Texas Chainsaw, you know? Yeah, and and now, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I imagine certain kids or younger people. What I mean, I don't know what their first horror movies would be. I mean, for some of them, it's it is some fucked up shit because that's just the world we live in now. Um, but it is great. Like you know, just like genres of music, horror has way multi generational and all walks of life and different types of people and people who don't quote look like a horror person could be the biggest horror person you meet yeah um and and it's just it's just a a group of of like-minded people who just love these types of movies you know and it, it's a great thing yeah um and i i enjoy the fact that you know uh, talking about it with, with some friends uh, other people like hearing me and my friend talk about these movies uh, that they'll devote a week of their, you know, uh, an hour of their week to come back and listen to it every week. And, and I think that that's great, you know, and um, I, I hope that, you know, Necromaniacs continues for as long as we want to do it, you know, many more years, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's a lot of other people, you know, who get on a podcast and talk about horror movies and you know there's a lot of competition out there and uh you know i and i know i speak for for mike and jeff we're just grateful that you know people seem to give a fuck you know and and i think that's that's how we met you you know yeah yeah i mean that necromaniacs was uh the one that really got me into like uh because i started off necromaniacs and then i went to everything went black as well but i was kind of Mm-hmm. That, that's how I met you guys because I was um, from I like literally listened to all the episodes that was up top point because mm-hmm. I mean I my, my work like I have a lot of I'm basically by myself all day you know what I mean like listening to shit so mm. and um and um like I could just tell from what the stuff that Mike liked I was like oh I want to recommend he needs to check out this comic this Grant Morrison comic and uh, <laughs> that's how it started it off I was like messaging about that so <laughs> it's, uh, been, cool, it's been man. awesome yeah. time, and then you, you always were interacting with me about the music stuff because I'm, i mean on my on my page i'm, I'm constantly posting about bands and, and records and music and yeah i know. mean that's the thing like uh once i saw like we post a lot of a lot of really great music like that i'm that i'm also into so mm. i was like i figured i was like figured we that uh, i mean um have a pretty White both have wide range and also like a lot of the black metal stuff you like is pretty much the same type of black metal stuff I like. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about death metal uh, with black metal. I mean, God, I mean, there's there's a lot of of a lot of crap to wade through sometimes. But then like sometimes you hear a band, you know, like you know, Spectral Wound for, from Canada, for example, like. For me, they just kind of came out of nowhere, and it's just like I think they're fucking like a ridiculously good band, and you know, uh, who I think could be huge if they wanted to be. I mean, you know, I don't. Some of these bands are, are perfectly fine with what they're where they are, you know. Now, yeah, I think uh, Holder is a great new uh, American black metal band. Uh, she is so talented, and I feel like they're just kind of getting bigger and bigger every kind of run they do and every record they put out yeah she's awesome. she's great like holder i felt like is one of those bands that's really uh keeping that kind of night like uh mid 90s type of feeling of black metal mm-hmm. 
you know, yeah. it has that yeah. kind of like real like um, trebly guitars and yeah, keyboards yeah. and you know type of atmosphere. Totally, totally. I mean, you know, there's there's just uh, then you could just kind of you know rediscover some bands that you kind of slipped through the cracks, like you know, like I introduced. Uh, Jackie from Into the Necrosphere to Dawn, and he had never heard of them. But yeah, he's about like six years younger than me, seven years younger than me. So I can imagine how he missed them, you know? I, they're a great he band, heard though. Them and he was like blown the fuck away by them, you know? Yeah. They were only around for a brief period in the, the, the latter part of the 90s on Necropolis Records. And they kind of have like this mysterious thing about them because they like kind of disappeared. And now they're kind of like back and teasing new material and everyone's discovering their, their old two albums. And it's like, Oh my God, this band is fucking amazing. You know? Yeah. Don is, um, one of those bands that, um, a lot of people who really know that know, like the kind of nitty gritty, like seem mm. to know as far as that era of black metal, you know, like the nineties, like, yeah, I, know, yeah. <clears throat> I got shown Don, like, uh, a long time ago, like one of my friends sent sent them to me. And I was like, "This is like you know early two thousands mm-hmm. and um, I was like really blown away. And I feel like their kind of aesthetic and vibe also kind of remind me of like Drudka and those bands where it's like all like yeah. kind of nature yeah. vibe and everything. They uh, they had great visuals. Like like I don't know, some bands know how to put together a package, quote unquote. Like know how to like. It's the right logo. It's the right name. It's the right photographs. The layout, like everything about it, is fucking perfect. And they kind of did that on their their uh, Slaughter Sun album. Yeah, it's just like whoa. And then you put it on, and it's like instantly likable. Like instantly likable black <clears throat> metal to me. Like it's like this is great. That's kind of how I felt about uh, Spectral Wound when I first heard them. I was like. This is it. I like. I immediately like it. And then I saw them live last year with Holder, seeing right. both of them for the first time, and I was just like, "Fuck me, man!" Like, oh my god, you know? It, it was it was great. It was just so fucking great, you know? Yeah, uh, the, some bands are like that. You just like hear it, and you're like, "Yep, that's what I, I like." That <laughs> that's how I was with um. This is a band called Darvaza from. Mm-hmm. It's like a uh, singers from Norwegian bands, like the Derosian scene and the. Uh, other guy who's in it's Italian, I think, and um, I put on their new house album last year, uh, sending into Perdition. I was just like, total, just like blown away, or you just like instantly like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, th- there's the Norwegian band Djevil with Faust from Emperor on drums, who yeah, I'm kind of kicking they're... myself that I slept on them for the past like five years, uh, because their record from late last year was another one where I put it on and I went, holy shit. Yeah, that this one's a great one. Done. Yeah, <laughs> this is like, this is how it's done, man. This is how black metal is done. Norway is alive, you know. Like this is because you don't hear too much about new Norwegian black metal bands. Not really. I mean, they're out there, uh, but th- like the heat is kind of elsewhere. I think the heat is is in Finland. The heat is in America. The heat is you know in other places. Uh, Norway is more h- historic. But that band, holy shit, man. If they fucking toured or they like, you know, did it, you know, 24-7, so to speak, forget it. 
I know anybody I know who likes black metal would hear that and be like, this is fucking great, you know? Yeah, I uh Diablo's in the bands that I've been um kind of uh trying to get people to listen to for for a while because I, I found them I think when their maybe their second or third album came out. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a bunch of records. Yeah. And uh, so I've been following them for I mean, that's probably close to a decade now. And um, the uh, uh, it's been cool seeing because they have slowly started getting more and more recognition. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I kind of was like always blown away by them, and uh, and um, I mean, I feel like Norway scene is pretty strong, and I mean, there's a there's a lot of really good Norwegian bands. They just don't get as much press anymore, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like in my my top list from last year, I had a lot of Norwegian bands on it, and it's like mm, both old old ones and new ones. So it's like, um, I think I think Norway's still got a pretty strong black metal scene is just uh i don't think uh as, i think diablo at least now is getting more recognition and so it's like hordem rife but uh you know well, no hordem rife is is another one really good um kind of look i don't think that they're, they're reinventing the wheel no but what they do they do very well like you know what i'm saying they're yeah. fucking tight like again quite likable black metal you know yeah um and it's funny like a band that I, I i had stopped paying attention to for a long time then they put out their their last two records and i'm like wow they got really good again and i have to say it's dark funeral i really yeah. have enjoyed the last two records quite a bit yeah the last um, two been good yeah yeah i i like i kind of gave up on them a while ago because they got very just i don't know samey you know yeah and i almost feel like what they're doing now which is like i don't know one could argue it's kind of like slick modern black metal but they do it in a way to me that is very good and in like pleasant to my ears you know <laughs> like i want to i want to hear it again like when the album is over i hit my hit play one more time because i liked it a lot you know <clears throat> yeah i thought um, that has really good songwriting on that album yeah yeah very hooky and like the, the memorable riffs and i think the, the image they kind of maybe honed it in a little bit to be a little less hokey and maybe a little more you know like <laughs> some of these bands that it just i don't know it, it, aesthetically and visually it looks it looks a little silly sometimes but i yeah. think like dark funeral like i don't know they're on like a, like a second life because they played this they did this run with immolation and, and uh my friends in black anvil opened and cannibal and jesus like it, it was cannibal headlining but dark funeral could have headlined that's how many people would like were there for dark funeral like it could have been their tour you know yeah they, they were had this tremendous american following um that i didn't even know they they still had which is you know shame on me you know well, they, but they, uh yeah now they're coming back for the decibel tour and i'm like fuck yeah i'll be there you know <laughs> right yeah i mean because they, they, they've been touring i mean even here in denver they can um get i mean they pack they packed i think they did a headlining tour a few years ago and it was mm-hmm. packed you know like yeah like i saw Dolphin their War. first uh their first u.s run in 97 uh they played like this goth club called uh, the bat cave in new york um with December Wolves, who were this band that were on Earache. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget who else was on it. It was this cool little show. And, you know, 
not a lot of people there, but I, I saw their first show in New York a long time ago. Right. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah. Open for um, uh, the second album, I think. Uh, well, no, it was for the American release of Secrets of the Black Arts, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, it was because it was out. I forget the name of the first label put it out. And then uh, Metal Blade released it in America. Oh, okay. A lot of records in the 90s that, say, had come out in Europe first ended up coming out in America months later or sometimes, like, in a different calendar year. Right. Um because it's kind of funny, like um, people talk about like the the earache days, like the earache Columbia Records kind of thing, and you know, like some people when they put like the year record comes out, and sometimes I'll look at it and I'll be like, well, no, actually, uh, Carcass's Hardware came out in America in '94. It came out in Europe in '93. Like these are things I remember, you know, like <clears throat> they, it had an American release. It was an import in '93. It came out in America in '94. So I associate it with '94, not '93. Even right for everybody else it's 1993 um yeah things took a little while to to to, to hit pre-internet back in the day you know yeah it wasn't like now where everything hits globally at the same time right, you know? exactly, <laughs> exactly. Not, not, totally, not, totally. not like that anymore um it's same thing for like clandestine came out in 91 in europe and in you know england no it came out in the spring of 92 in america <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's my 92 record you know? Right, it took a lot. Took a little while longer to get here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that yeah. happened a lot. Like, um, like I know that a lot of the, you know, '94 was like the big year for black metal, where I had like all these classic albums, like, you know, Emperor, Mayhem, you know, Dark Throne, all these like great albums that I've heard like um, uh, people saying that that they didn't really hit the states until '95, like all those yeah, albums. Yeah, well, I'll say this: uh, the first full length that hit America with an American pressing. 94, there was two in particular that came to mind. Uh, De Mysterious Them Satanists came out on Century Black, Century Media's Black subdivision in America in the fall of 94. So, okay. It actually hit in 94. Uh, that came out in 94. Um, and let's see. Transylvanian Hunger came out in America on an American label license for Peaceville in 94. Right. Um, what else? What else? I, the Emperor and Slave Split came out in 94 on Century Black. Yeah. Century Media was the first label to start pumping these out. And then yeah. there was a, then Peaceville got some of their Dark Throne releases released through uh, their American sub-label Futurist. And yeah. 94 was the year of all of this. So 94 is kind of the big kickoff year uh, for a couple of records. By 95, 96, 97, everything was coming out uh, in right. America. So, but yeah, have, 94, Century Media was the first one. Yeah. I, I have like a bunch of Century Black CDs, you know, because mm -hmm. even when I got into Black Metal in the early 2000s, it was like uh, Century Black was like, you know, mayhem and. Like they had Borknagar, and they had like uh, they like they licensed a lot of cool shit actually. Yeah. Um, like a, a, a they had I'm trying to think what the band was called. Like they 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 kind of dug deep for a minute there, and then they, then they just kind of was just regular Century Media, you know, like it was no more Century Black, you know. Yeah, I went away. I think um, after I think maybe like I don't know two thousand four, two thousand five. I don't think there was. 
Mm. And I think some of those old, some, some of those CDs I got that were essentially black were probably older pressings that were still in stores. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you go to, I used, you know, go to the record store and uh, find like, you, you know, know, it was not a century black record, but came out in 94. Uh, it should have been, uh, what do you call it? Sam Ale Ceremony of Opposites. Yeah, that was one of the greatest for me, one of the greatest Black Mountain records of all time. Um, they did a tour that fall with Cannibal Corpse. It was amazing. And it was the last Chris Barnes tour. Okay. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the first three Sam May albums. Like, Worship Him, Blood Ritual, Samurai Opposites. I think they're like three of the greatest amazing. Black Metal albums. Yeah. And I have oh, the yeah. old uh, Century Media 2-pack that has um, Worship Him and Blood Ritual. And yeah, one. yeah. I remember that. I had that. I had yeah. that. <laughs> and I have that one. And I have the Ceremony of Opposites, original pressing like on Century Media. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, yo, it's been awesome shooting the shit with you about uh, horror and and metal. Um, yeah, it's been great, man. And, and music. And uh, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you know all the support and shit. And uh, I just I just wanted to plug um, on something before yeah. we plug whatever you want. Yeah. Um, aside from, of course, Necromaniacs, which comes out every Thursday, as uh, some of your listeners may know. Um, on uh, March 7th, um, my old band, Confusion, uh, we have a discography uh, coming out um, on Days Records and Generation Records. It's like a split release. Uh, okay. Days is handling the CD and digital, and Generation is handling the vinyl. And it is a discography of all of our music from the early 90s. It's called Storm the Walls, 1990, 1994. And yeah, on March 7th, uh, that announcement goes out and uh, one of the tracks is going to be available for download. The, uh, the title track storm, the walls, everything has been uh, remastered. So uh, kind of excited about that. That's awesome. Is it going to be on um, like Bandcamp or? Oh uh, yeah, it'll be on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. It'll be on, you know, every, every digital service. Um, but the, the physical release is maybe like June or July. Uh and and the whole everything's going to kind of come out at once, but they they wanted to kind of just get the announcement out and get a, a track out to kind of uh, you know Promote, ramp yeah. up some uh, some excitement, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, I'll put I'll get like you know, the links and stuff from you when I post the you know for yeah, thank you man. if you because um, I'm sure you got a. Um, as in human in last stand are they on Bandcamp? I haven't actually checked. The, the um, one. the last stand is uh, Inhuman is not. It's funny. We uh, my guitarist and I we just talked about it last night. We're gonna we're gonna work on getting our entire discography on there because our entire discography is on um Spotify, Apple, think, right? and Spotify. Right? Yeah, um, that's right. I listened to it. Not before. on Bandcamp. Weird history with Inhuman. Everything's on a different record label. Uh, you know, there's. A bunch of bands that have the name and it gets very messy but we've been in human since 95 i mean we, we've had the name a very long time um but hopefully maybe this sometime this year we'll get all of our shit uh the four lps and the cdep all on Bandcamp, which would be wonderful um and we're gonna be playing a show this summer uh in july uh for my birthday which would be a lot of fun Cool. And uh, the last time, yeah, we have a cool show at the end of March out on Long Island with two of my my favorite hardcore bands, Sheer Terror and Slapshot. So that should be fun. 
That'd be a good show. I know I know yeah, Sheer yeah. Sheer it. So that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, you know, keep keep keeping busy. Keeping busy, yeah. The um yeah, so I that's how I checked out the um Inhuman was I found your stuff on Spotify, which was a little difficult because of how many bands have been <laughs> in yes, human like it took yes. me took me a little bit mm-hmm. to figure out which one is the right one. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah. I did I did it based off of your post yet you, you did a post on Instagram with like your discography, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I uh, and I was like, Okay, that, that great. Now I can That's find... the right one. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's I can better find to go by them. the names of the records, unfortunately. But uh you know Yeah. That that's how I figured out I went on hooked up on human and the album titles that you had and then made I guess a playlist of the, al- the albums so I could just check it out. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it, Carl man. But listen, thank you again. Yeah, um, thanks for coming on. Hell yeah, man. And you know, we appreciate the support at Necromaniacs and you know anytime you need us, we're there for you. And then you know, vice versa. <laughs> awesome man. Yeah. It was great having you on. Thank you, buddy. Perfect. Well, have a, have a good night, man. You too, man. Bye-bye. Bye.
Yeah.